For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. As a union movement, the New York State AFL-CIO has been working with our affiliates to address climate change in a responsible way. In a recent podcast, our president, Mario Salento, laid out our priorities, which include supporting the use of cleaner, more affordable and renewable energy to protect current jobs and ensure that newly created jobs are good union jobs that include labor protections and labor standards. We've also talked to Dave Wasura, who is the assistant to the director of the United Steelworkers in District 4, about the importance of keeping manufacturing jobs as we move away from the dependence on fossil fuels. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about thermal energy networks and their role in decarbonizing state-owned campuses and facilities while creating a pipeline to union jobs. My guest today on the podcast is John Murphy, who's the international representative for the United Association of Plumbers, Pipefitters, and Sprinkler Fitters in New York. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Darcy. Good morning. And thank you and to President Salento for the opportunity to join you today. Well, I'm a fourth-generation plumber from the city of New York, uh, born in the Bronx, like another plumber from the Bronx by the name of George Meany, who is a member of my local, who went on to become the president of this federation of before course. becoming the first president of the AFL-CIO. Oh, that's great. So... John, let me start by asking you to describe for our listeners and our viewers the kind of work that your members do. Well, our members throughout the state, throughout the country, actually, do all types of energy systems, sanitary waste and water systems, fire sprinkler systems. But in New York, the biggest transition has been this move away from fossil fuels in the energy sector. Right. So that's a little bit of a concern, right? You've got a highly skilled workforce that provides for great careers, family sustaining jobs. And now they've got to uh, are they going to have to learn new skills to transfer over to what we're going to be talking about, thermal energy networks? It's a great question. If I can go back just one step and you think about um, the enactment of the CLCPA in 2019 and its focus on renewables only displaced thousands of workers in the power generation industry. Now, keep in mind, a building trades worker is an hourly worker. If they're not on the job, they don't get paid, they lose their medical coverage, and no pension credit. So there were hundreds of members that were forced to take jobs out of state, and it continues today because that was a pipeline of work for thousands of building trades members for over 100 years, power generating facilities. So when we think about thermal energy networks, that's a different transition. That's actually a closer transition than you will find as it applies to energy. Well, and I want you to explain a little bit of what a thermal energy network is. But before we do that, so you're, as you know, the head of this organization, you're looking at, look, we've, we've got to transfer over to, um, you know, a, a cleaner form of energy. And how do we bring these union members into this right. uh, new way of looking at things, a new right. energy source? And you started doing some research and you came across Jay Egg. In our quest to find uh, some form of alternative clean sources of energy to be allow our members to transition, I came upon an article of a brilliant design by somebody by the name of Jay Egg, who had a design to decarbonize the Empire State Plaza using thermal energy network. So a thermal energy network utilizes geothermal boreholes, uh, heat transfer from sewers, from water mains, even the Hudson River. So I tracked down Jay Egg, and we decided to meet in New York City, where he would give me a real live example of an upcoming project that would utilize heat transfer from a church, a post office, the subways, 
all using pipe, all using water, and it would allow this housing complex to decarbonize. So I met with Jay and his team from EGEO with some of our training coordinators and union officers, and it was that very day that I, this plumber realized there is a path forward for members in our industry. So tell me about that, what's going on in New York City. Like, what, where are they getting the energy from? Is it already, like, a heat-producing Right. So, so a thermal energy network is water that feeds a ground-source heat pump. What's a ground-source heat pump? Let's think in terms of your air conditioner. If you have central air, you have a condenser that's outside of your house. That's an air-source heat pump. Those air-source heat pumps, you could tell by your utility bills, go up in the summertime because it has to work that much harder mm -hmm. to be able to produce cooling. A ground source heat pump takes the energy from the ground, tempered water that comes in, tempered water that goes back to the earth. And because of that, they're between 300% and 500% efficient. So, and, and this is something I learned, because I, I did go to one of the presentations you were involved in. I didn't know this before. I probably shouldn't admit it. But um, there's a constant with the ground temperature. Correct. That's what's key here, right? Correct. So it serves as kind of an, an insulator and a constant. Instead of having to transfer the heat from the outside when it's 100 degrees, or, be, or worse yet, in the wintertime when it's zero degrees to convert that to heating, here you're taking tempered water, 55 degrees. You're returning any waste heat back into the ground where it comes back at 55 degrees. So those heat pumps don't have to work as hard. And here's probably one of the most important aspects. In peak season, it doesn't add to the electric grid. The demand does not increase summer or winter with ground source heat pumps. Right. So um, the part of the effort that you're behind, what we would like to see in the state budget, is focusing on decarbonizing um, some of the biggest polluters in the state, which are buildings. But you've kind of narrowed it down, and, and the state Fed is involved in this in, as well, is identifying the 15 highest polluting buildings. Correct. And then decarbonizing those buildings. And that includes really right here across the street from us, the Empire State Plaza. Right. Talk to me about that. What is the so goal? With the collaboration of so many, so many brilliant, hardworking people, we're focusing on 15 of the highest carbon emitters in the state. If we decarbonize those 15 sites, it would reduce carbon emissions on the overall state building portfolio by 40 percent. So the goal is to, for the state to pay for the design and engineering of of these 15 campuses and have them shovel ready by 2025. So they're ready to go, which would allow a transition for the fossil fuel workers as they look to eliminate fossil fuel. It gives those workers a place to go. It allows unions to help the underserved communities as long as we have a pipeline of work to be able to bring people in. And so you're talking about really working on pipes and laying pipe, the same thing that you already do, instead of, you know, um, water or sewage that might be going through. This is this new, it's used it for the thermal it, energy networks. It's the same skill set. It's exactly what we train for. And it's not just plumbers and pipe fitters. It's operating engineers. It's laborers, utility workers on the utility scale projects that are in place as well. So it really allows for a true transition, a just transition for those workforce. And with the new climate law, part of that talks about addressing disadvantaged communities Correct. who have been harmed by fossil fuels uh, right. and pollution. So um, in this case, so if we're talking about some of these campuses and there are more urban settings, are you going to be able to, as part of this, pull in uh, the people within the community to get them to um, union positions? That is why it's so important to have this pipeline of work ready to go, because it allows not only the preservation of jobs, but the creation of new jobs for a new clean energy workforce. And 40 percent of, of the benefits should go to those underserved communities as we go. We've set up where, where we have pre-apprenticeship programs to allow people from underserved communities to come into the building trades. And we know that an entrance into the building trades is an entrance into the middle class. Part of this is um, kind of going off a, a bill that was passed last year into law that allows for the operation 
of these or the, or the running of these systems. Yes. Right? Talk, talk to me about what that is. So the only if we were really serious about decarbonizing buildings in New York State, the only way we could realistically do it to scale is with a utility. Up until last year, utilities were only allowed to provide gas or electric service to customers. This creates a new utility. So the Utility Thermal Exchange and Jobs Act, which was signed into law July 5th of 2022, allows utilities to run up to five pilot loops each throughout the state and provide customers with the opportunity to switch from a boiler to a heat pump. Now, in doing that, why that's so important, again, not only for that workforce that install boilers will install heat pumps. Those that maintain the boilers maintain the heat pumps. But utility workers that maintain the gas grid can now maintain the utility thermal energy network. That's why it's, it's a true transition. Right. And that's what yeah, one of the priorities that we've laid out from the beginning with right. this. And then uh, finally, when we do have these campuses and you have this the thermal energy networks in place, they're not just providing um, energy for like one location or one campus, right? It goes out into the community more like what's happening in New York City? They can. They can. So it depends on the network itself, whether it's going to be controlled by utility or the campus itself. They may have their own private loop that's in there. But the, the thermal energy network is the actual infrastructure. Then once you get in the buildings, you decarbonize by replacing them with heat pumps and all the piping that's associated with them. All right. Well, I know you're very passionate about this, so that's good to see. And it really does sound like a true transition that can work um, to really keep these uh, family-sustaining jobs in place. So we appreciate that. And finally, as we're come, you know, winding down with the final days here with the budget, what can people do who are listening and watching to help get this over the finish line? We would really, really push the governor and the legislature to make sure they provide the funding. I think it's $115 million that would allow for the design and engineering so these projects are shovel-ready. If they're serious about getting away from fossil fuel, we need to have these systems in place, shovel-ready, that we can really, really see the benefit. All right. The state can set the example. Yes. With their own buildings. All right. Well, John Murphy, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Darcy. Joining me on the podcast is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. That was pretty interesting stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, really interesting. It's really promising. And there's a lot to learn, though. And, you know, as John was pointing out, the, the main thing is that this, the thermal energy networks is going to really create a pipeline, pun intended, I guess, here, for um, some, you know, for union jobs. The same people that are doing that work now, whether it's, you know, a gas line, a water line, are going to be able to do this work. And that's, that's great news. Absolutely. Um, we're working with a group called Upgrade New York, and um, I think because there's, this is so um, technical that there's a lot more information that we can include in our show notes if people want to learn more about this. Definitely. We'll put the link in our show notes, and folks can get more information there. All right. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.